Hi, and welcome to this Word in Season. Today we'll be hearing from Pastor Justin Naidu from Zoe Community Church in Johannesburg, South Africa. The Bible says God's Word is the seed for a bountiful harvest. We pray that you will flourish as you apply the principles in the Word of God. In your heart, you have arteries. And when there is a plaque build up, the artery clogs. When the artery clogs, what happens is that blood cannot flow. And that's when you suffer a heart attack. Now, much of the time we are having problems in the entire body because sometimes there is a clogging, there is a blockage at some place. And God wants us to live from glory to glory, from height to height. God does not want you to plateau. We don't want to be in a place of stagnation. The river must flow. There must be things in your life that must happen quickly and swiftly. And you must be quick to recognize when there is a blockage of grace endowment in your life. Now the devil comes into our lives and he comes as the accuser of the brethren. And as he comes in as the accuser of the brethren... He finds people on the earth who agree in accusation. You have in Matthew 18 and verse 19, two or three agreeing in prayer, but you also have two or three that agree in accusation. If there is not enough intercession on the earth, then the accusations by two or three witnesses are set up as strongholds by the accuser of the brethren. Satan is not equal to Christ our Lord in terms of power. Christ lives to make intercession. Jesus is our mediator. Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is our intercessor. He's not the babe in the manger. He's not the man who walked the streets of Jerusalem. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession. So you need two or three people on the earth that come together and agree in intercession. People are speaking against the church. People are speaking murmurings, accusations, gossip, slanders. And it's my firm conviction that most believers live in a grace deficient state because of a lack of prayer and intercession. Prayer is the fourth pillar of the kingdom culture. We grew up having all night prayers. We grew up going to church and people were praying. You would hear the hum of prayer early in the morning in your home if you woke up. You will hear your parents praying late at night. You will have prayer meetings, prayer altars. Where have we? We've lost it. And what happens? Accusation stands as a stronghold, as a well set up fortress and we go nowhere. How do you think all of us prospered the way we did? How do you think there was an open door set before us continually, an open heaven? There were people crying out night and day and their prayers go up to the intercessor Christ our Lord. He brings it before the Father and boom, it's answered on the earth. I pray today you will have an understanding that we need intercession on the earth. It is accusation that is set up right now against the church that is causing grace to be blocked. Now, prayer both requires and empowers 
the abandonment of self-justification, blame-shifting, self-pity, and spiritual pride. Timothy Keller said this, I'm quoting him. To the degree to which you can shed the unreality of self-sufficiency, to that degree, our prayer lives will become richer, deeper, and more successful. You've got to come to the realization that you cannot make it on your own. When you get into times of prayer and you start to seek God's face, oh, you see, come on, how many of you, whilst you were praying quietly this week, God showed you, hey, you didn't forgive someone. Oh, no, no, and you want to hide. And God showed you how you thought that evil thought. And God showed you how you can't make it without him. How we deal with all these things in the posture of the Lamb determines how we become victorious. When you read Revelation 12 from verse 10, it says, Now I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of the brethren, the Jewish scholars and rabbis said this is Satan himself. The accuser of the brethren does something. What does he do? He accused them before our God. When does he do it? Day and night. So as Jesus is ever living and making intercession day and night, there's the accuser. In Daniel chapter 10 from verse 12 to 14, you know that Daniel fasted for 21 days. And then in Daniel 10 verse 12, the Bible says, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief priests came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to the whole people in the latter days. Now, Daniel was fasting. Daniel was praying for 21 days. But he was completely unaware of the spiritual battle and warfare taking place behind the scenes. His prayers were immediately answered. But there was a principality, the prince of Persia. He hindered the angelic movement. See, these principalities are not innocent. They hinder the apostolic movements. They cause geopolitical shifts to take place in the earth. And Daniel prevailed because he persevered in prayers. We have a generation today that don't know how to push. Simple pray until something happens. You want it instantaneously. You want it first time. But Daniel pushed through. It's called a nuisance prayer. You keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying. Even when there's not a cloud in the sky, you keep praying. My mom's side of the family are not Christians. But we prayed for years for their salvation. Every family altar, I knew exactly when it was coming in. And I knew exactly what my mother was going to pray, but she kept praying for it. And my mom's eldest brother-in-law, who's now late, was 81 years old when he gave his life to Jesus. And one by one, my cousins started to come into the kingdom of God. You got to pray fast. Don't give up. 
Peter was in prison, Acts 12 verse 5. And many people are imprisoned, maybe not incarcerated physically, but you are imprisoned emotionally. You are imprisoned financially. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But watch what happened. But the constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church, not by the pastor. By the church. We need the church to start offering prayers now. And what happened? Suddenly, verse number 6 tells you, Herod was about to bring him out that night, bound with two chains between the two soldiers. Verse number 7 says, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and said, Arise quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. After constant prayer, Peter was delivered from captivity. As our prayers intensify, you're going to see demonic strongholds over our family, over our churches, over our city, over our nations being broken. Same thing happened with Cornelius. Watch what's happening. Prayer and then the stronghold breaks. Angels visit. Intercession, constant prayer. Stronghold falls. Angels visit. Acts chapter 10. You read about Cornelius. In Acts 10 verse 2 it says he was a man who prayed always. And by the time you get later into this chapter, you will find Cornelius was visited by an angel. We want ministering angels to visit us. Let's take the case of the Lord Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, Satan himself was visiting him. And when Satan visited the Lord Jesus, in verse 10, Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then it says in verse 11, Then the devil left him. And watch what happened. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. Oh, I pray today that ministering angels will come again and visit God's people. But you see, Jesus, whilst he was tempted by Satan, the enemy came with three temptations. This is the temptations we have today. The temptation to be popular or to be relevant firstly because turn these stones into bread. It was hungry at that time to be relevant. This is the problem with the demon of progressive theology. It's forcing the church to become relevant. Listen, we are not from here. We are born from above. We will have a sound system if we have to. We'll have a digital screen if we have to. But don't adjust the word of God cut and paste to suit this generation. It is eternal. Young people, you will have that temptation to be relevant. The second temptation was to be spectacular, to throw yourself down to be spectacular. And the third temptation is to be popular. I'll give you all these things to be popular. Social media has fed into that because we all want to be popular. How many retweets did we get this week at church? You got to know how to overcome the temptation of being relevant, spectacular and popular by declaring it is written. It is written. It is written. If you don't know what is written, Satan will have you. In Luke chapter 1, Zechariah was praying and he was offering incense prayer day and night. What happened? Zechariah experiences an angelic visitation. 400 years of silence between Malachi 400 years of no speaking suddenly a man who's interceding and praying has an angelic visitation one of the reasons I feel right now 
that we are not having these angelic visitation is because we are living in a demonic smog and electromagnetic field of demons and if there's not prayers that are going up day and night like incense we will not neutralize demonic strongholds accusation is the opposite of intercession Hebrews 7:25 says wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God seeing that he ever lives to make intercession you must enjoy good success as a supplicant when you bring your prayers before God we must be skilled in breaking demonic stronghold so you and I have to ask ourselves have we joined with the accuser of the brethren because the accuser of the brethren is also looking for two or three witnesses to agree in accusation or are we agreeing with the intercessor anybody knows the word abracadabra you know what the word means it comes from aramaic you know what that means i will create so the magician knows abracadabra i will create by the power of your words you create things in the earth life and death lie in the power of the tongue so you better watch what you say like miriam miriam brought accusation in numbers chapter 12 against moses when she says does god only speak to moses the entire nation didn't move for 7 days because of miriam's leprosy you can slow down the movement of your church of your family of your nation just by your words if we want grace to abound to overflow we must recognize the demonic obstructions and the resistance to our prayers and we must break it matthew 18:16 says but if you will not hear take with you one or two witnesses that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established this is called the prayer of agreement when two or three shall agree there's a prayer of agreement and when believers agree in prayer truth is established as we agree in prayer our prayers ascend like incense it aligns with truth who you pray with is very very important intercede and pray with people who agree with your request but also stand in the name of the lord see a lot of the time we are praying with people who are using the name of christ but they are not living in the name of christ Matthew 18 verse 19 will says again I say to you if two of you agree on earth concerning anything it will be done for them by my father in heaven but verse 20 is important for where two or three are gathered in my name you could be praying with people who agree with your request but they're not operating in the name of Christ they do not ma- manifest his nature his character and they are uncovenantal A lot of people are praying using the name of Jesus Christ but they are not living in his name and when we pray in his name our lifestyle must match that we are in Christ 
strife, schisms, divisions. It hinders our prayers. Strife breeds disunity and God cannot command a blessing. In the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 32, you can read from verse number 20, King Hezekiah is praying with the prophet Isaiah. Now because of this, the king and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, prayed. This wasn't just prayer. They cried to heaven. They're coming up against a formidable foe and these two people pray and have agreement. God answers them. Just two people. If we are going to be successful in breaking strongholds, we must ensure we pray with the right people. Intercession is crucial for the will of God to prevail on the earth. The call is going out today for people who will stand in the gap. Intercession sets before the church an open door. It sets before you an open heaven. On the contrary, accusations hinders the purposes of God. Accusation prevents upward movement. Sometimes there is a direct attack by Satan. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus experienced a direct attack. But sometimes there are people who are accusing the sons of God. In Zechariah 3 and verse 1, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Watch Satan's position. Standing at the right hand to oppose the servant of the Lord. Now we don't know how Satan was standing to oppose Joshua. But what we can glean is that when people like Nehemiah were building the wall, Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem were opposing Nehemiah. So Satan uses human vessels on the earth. You might experience resistance. You might experience some obstruction. Something that's hindering your assignment. Got to know in the background, there's been accusations. Evil speaking is characterized firstly by an erroneous gospel. This is like when you give people petrol to drink. Now we have something called the progressive theology. Progressive theology says that there is more than one way. Jesus is not the only way. Progressive theology says God's word is not ineffable and not infallible. You've got to question the word of God. Then you have the big one for me which is vilification. It's called slander. It's a false charge, maybe even a true charge against someone but it has a hostile purpose. It's to undermine someone's reputation to discredit someone. This is the accuser of the brethren. You're vilifying someone's character. Miriam did this against Moses. And you can see many other people that do this. The end result is a loss of dominion. Evil speaking is characterized by irresponsible utterances. Like Jephthah. When he opened his mouth in Judges 11. He didn't know that his own daughter will come out of the house. Evil speaking is when you are loquacious. Loquacity means excessive speech. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says a fool is also full of words. Ecclesiastes 10.14 Proverbs 18.7 says a fool's mouth is his destruction. And then when you are a person who is 
having an evil mouth, you bring self-imposed curses like the Jews. In Matthew 27, Pilate washed his hands and the Jews said, let his blood be on us and our children. That was AD 30. By AD 70, their children were wiped out. You can bring a self-imposed curse by what you say. The acronym is evils. How do we break the stronghold? Firstly, last week I shared with you how we must confess that we have been people that at some stage has used our mouth to accuse others. Nobody's innocent. All of us at some stage have said something and we've got to confess before the Lord. David said this. He said in Psalm 140 verse 3, this is about his enemies, they sharpen their tongues like a serpent. The poison of asp is on their lips. He calls it poison. He calls it arrows. Those words that were spoken against you, the words that you spoke at times were not innocent. They were fiery darts that went out to assassinate purpose. Did you know evil speaking is witchcraft? Don't ask who did it. You did it. Don't use your mouth to curse God. Don't use your mouth to say evil things about an almighty God. Job didn't understand in Job chapter 2 what was happening behind the scenes. Satan was coming. The accuser of the brethren stepped in in the book of Job. Brought accusation. He wanted to test Job and see if he would still remain faithful to God. If God removed the blessings. And God removed the blessings. And then Job's wife said, why don't you curse God and die? She didn't understand that the accuser of the brethren was looking for a witness. She was a candidate. And Job said, will we only accept blessings from God? Oh, and that man remained faithful. And if you go to Job 42, the latter of his life was greater than the former of his life. God can turn things around in one day. God has given us armory, offensive armory, defensive armory. You put on the armor, you have to fight. You have to neutralize it. The second thing you must do is after you've confessed this sin, second thing you must do is you must forgive. To err is human, to forgive is divine. Why must you forgive? This is why you should forgive. Because it is a foundational part of our faith. Forgiveness comes from God. Forgiveness is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is through His blood. The Bible says this, in Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness requires repentance. But you must forgive, number one, because it is a foundational, fundamental part of our Christian faith. We forgive because God forgave. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind-hearted to one another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. You follow Christ's example. Father, forgive them. Jesus was quick to administer forgiveness. Forgiveness sets you up for open heaven. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen was being stoned. And it is said that Paul was Saul at the time. Was the person that mandated Stephen's stoning. So imagine Saul of Tarsus standing there. And they stoning Stephen. And Stephen says, Father, forgive them. Let it not be to their account. And suddenly he said, I, I see the heavens open and the Son of God standing at the right hand. You want an open heaven over your life? Start to forgive people. And Stephen was receiving a standing ovation from Jesus. 
you want to think about this thing for a long time she left you he left you hey plenty fish in the sea man come on god knows best it's working for your good that business deal didn't work out you thought the business person stole the tender it wasn't the other partner it was god secondly forgive because you're going to break the stronghold you got to obey Jesus said to us in Matthew 18:21 in the same context of what we were reading Peter came and said Lord how often shall I forgive my brother Jesus said I say to you until 7 times but until 70 times 7 It is an instruction from God for us to forgive How many of you were hurt by someone in your life whether it was a friend a neighbor a colleague even in church oh god in church you can get hurt but you got to forgive forgive because there's a reward bible says in proverbs 25:21 if your enemy is hungry give him bread to eat if he's thirsty give him water to drink for you shall heap coals of fire upon his head and the lord will reward you you forgive because god will reward you every time i deliberately chose to forgive people god upgraded me I saw it happen in my life. You got to go back think about people that hurt you and you are holding those grievances against them and you are joining with the accuser of the brother and setting up strongholds on the earth. You're going to break it by forgiving. Let me tell you why you must forgive because many people have a definition about glory. Oh the glory is here. Feel it, feel it. But you know what the Bible says in Proverbs 19:11 the discretion of a man is to defer his anger and it is his glory to pass over a transgression it is the weightiness of god to overlook a transgression you want to know if someone got the density of god upon their life see how they handle offense they will overlook it and say let's move on there was one man i know who lived this earth who was that way it was my father people would say the worst things he would say no Let's move on. Forgiveness the next thing is it is an intrinsic part of our worship. In Matthew 5:23 Jesus said if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that you have ought against your brother a brother has something against you watch what Jesus said in verse 24 is very smart leave your gift there don't take your gift and go because you'll spend it and go to your brother first be reconciled to your brother then come and offer your gift oh lord help us we can come to church we can sing our songs we can bring our offerings our tithes our first fruits we can do what we want to do but god is saying no 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 before you offer the gift go and reconcile to your brother and lastly this thing of forgiveness it enables divine forgiveness you know when we pray the lord's prayer forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors in Matthew 6 verse 14 says but if you forgive not men their trespasses neither will your father forgive you your trespasses god won't forgive us if we don't forgive others this is how we're going to break it so there's confession there's forgiveness you're acknowledging your past faults how are we going to do it firstly you confess that you have been at some stage a partner with satan then there is forgiveness the next thing is gratitude 
Live with gratitude. Gratitude is the opposite of resentment. You know, my wife was busy, so I took my kids to the park. I took them to the park. So before you get to the park, it was a hot day. Daddy, can we have cool drink? Which is not part of the everyday routine. Daddy got them cool drink. Got to the park, played in the park. Daddy, we are hungry. Sounds familiar, parents. So daddy takes you for lunch. Big shots now sitting and having lunch. After we finish there, we're walking out of the park and there's this VW ice cream van. Daddy, can we have ice cream? Come home and these kids are fighting with me. I said, children, did you all not just know what daddy did the whole day for you all? Because I didn't want to give them the TV. See, from a little age today, our children don't have gratitude. They're growing up with entitlement. And then we adults, hey, you know, our church, we don't have this. How about living a life of gratitude and keeping a gratitude diary? So yesterday when mommy came home, we sat them at the table and we had to ask them, what are you grateful for? What are you grateful for today? Having gratitude in your marriage. Saying thank you to your spouse. Having gratitude in the house of God. Having gratitude at your workplace. Imagine if you didn't have your job. How many million people waiting behind you to come and take their job. But you go there every morning murmuring. Complaining. How about every day you get to work. Or even for those of you who are working from home. At 12 o'clock when you put the computer on. Just say father. Thank you for this job. Thank you, Lord, that you made a way for me when everybody else is unemployed, all my bills are met, you have provided this job. Now you can have a narcissistic, bipolar manager, but say thank you to God for the job. Let's just look at what Thanksgiving does. Thanksgiving is the trigger that releases the power of God. When you read 2 Chronicles chapter 5, the trumpeters were singing, they made one sound in praising the Lord, and boom, the presence of the Lord filled the house. I've been into some houses, no big screen TV. I go into those houses, no fancy sofas and all the stuff, but I feel the presence of the Lord is so mighty in that house. You know why? Because they're so grateful. Some places got all the stuff, but there's no presence of God. Start praising God and giving Him thanks. It will trigger the release of His power. What does thanksgiving do? It honors God. We who sacrifice thanks offerings honors me. Psalm 50, 23. You honor God. Thanksgiving is an act of faith. Thanksgiving is necessary for complete obedience. You cannot approach God without thanksgiving. It is key. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. When you came into the house of God, when you pray, that's why when we start praying, what do we do? Father, I thank you. That's the first thing you do. That's how you approach God with thanksgiving. We have a generation today that comes before God and thinks God is a little boy who must just dance to our tune. He is almighty God. And when you approach him, let thanksgiving drip from your mouth. That he chose you. He predestined you. 
And lastly, it's a sacrifice. So once you've set up the structures of gratitude, forgiveness, confession, take the authority in the name of Jesus that you have to cut off those words. Not just once. Sometimes it takes a lot of time and prayer. You'll see it in the life of Daniel, 21 days. The world has been waiting for you to fail. But today in the name of Jesus, I pray you will not fail. I pray that you will have good success. I've given you the tools now to set yourself up. Every time you rise up and you rise up in prayer, you're going to see something great happen. Remain vigilant until you break through. Be vigilant, be sober. For our adversary goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. When you are going through this time when you feel like there's a stronghold and you're trusting God for it to fall, there's something you must do. You must remain integrous. There was a pastor who was having a huge problem in his church. And as they were having this problem, there was a lot of accusation that was brought against the servant of the Lord. So one day, he got onto a bus, and as he got into the bus, he paid the bus driver, and the bus driver gave him his change, and it was extra change than what was needed. So the pastor went, took his seat in the bus, and as he was about to get off the bus, he went back to the bus driver, and he said to him, you have given me extra change. The bus driver said, Pastor, I was in your church on Sunday. I know the things that people are saying about you, but today I know that you are the real deal. In the most microscopic units of your life, you must remain integrous whilst you go through the accusations. I feel the accusation on somewhere a few years today. It's unbelievable. Some of you young people that are here, the enemy wants you to fail. But God's will will prevail. Our integrity will be tested in the microscopic, minute details of our lives. Not before any man, but before God. I had to preach this message to myself over and over and over again. As we confess, as we forgive, administer forgiveness, we take the authority given to us by our Father in the name of Jesus and we will live in victory. It's been so great having you with us. If you'd like to access any of our free resources, get more information or sow a seed into our ministry, please visit our website on www.lifecom.co.za. That's www.lifecom.co.za. You can also subscribe to Pastor Justin Naidu on YouTube or find Zoe Community on Facebook and Instagram. Grace and blessings to you.